I have a question for you this morning. Do you know what this is? Who can tell me what this is? Yes, this is an antique tennis racket because it's made out of what? Yeah, this is um, a tennis racket. It's a Stan Smith tennis racket. My wife gave this to me a long, long time ago. And if you, how many of you play tennis or have played tennis? Okay, raise your hands high. Okay, good. Now, if you want to be a really good tennis player, if you want to play tennis well, you have to have some skills, right? So what do they call that? A forehand. What do they call this? Yeah, whether it's a one-hand or a two-handed backhand. And then there's another skill you have to have. And by the way, I had to retrieve this from my dog this morning because he's got all my older used tennis balls. So there's a skill that you have to have. And what is that skill? And I'm not going to hit the ball so you guys can relax. Okay, so if you want to play tennis well, you have to learn how to serve well, right? Here's another sport that you may have played in the past. I really like this sport too. I spent a lot of time in the gym um, watching my daughter play volleyball in high school and college. So how many of you have ever played volleyball before? Now I suspect that most of you who play volleyball serve like this, right? Underhand serve? Would I be right? Okay, and some of you who have a little more skill, how do you serve? Yeah, there's an overhand, and if you're the elite, right, you can do this overhead serve where you just run and you jump up in the air. It's like spiking the ball, right? So if you want to win in tennis, you have to do what? Two words, serve well. If you want to win in volleyball, what do you have to do? Serve well. If you want to win in life, you have to serve well. Now, let's say that you really want to learn how to serve well. You want to learn how to meet the needs of the people that God's placed in your life, and you're looking for a coach. You need a serving coach, you know, somebody who has a lot of knowledge and experience, somebody who has a great track record of serving people, meeting their needs. Who do you think would be the best coach you could possibly have? Yes, thank you. And remember, if you don't know the answer, it probably is Jesus, and it is. Jesus said that he came to our world not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this morning, the way that Jesus serves us is by meeting our needs. Now today we have a lot of needs, don't we? I mean, Jesus knows that, that we have the need to be loved, the need to be accepted, the need to be forgiven, the need to be encouraged, the need to know our purpose in this world. And Jesus, when he came to this world, began a world-class service organization. And it's called what? Yes, the church. You see, Jesus calls us to live as he lived in this world, and he lived as a servant. Now, today, we're continuing our study of the church from the book of Ephesians. In fact, it's called This Is Us, and this is us, church. This is God's goal for us to learn how to be good servants in this world. And if you're following along in one of the Bibles that we provided, this is on page 948. But here's the thing. Serving is an important purpose for your life and for my life as well. Now, I want us to look at some verses. This is in chapter 4, verse 11, and here's what we read, beginning with verse 11. It says this, It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Now, the idea here is that people in these positions have been gifted by Jesus for their role in the church. And what is that role? Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of, and what's the next word? Works of service. To prepare God's people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be, and this is a key idea, built up. 
so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now listen, you'll never completely understand God's purpose for your life unless you understand the critical importance of serving, of meeting the needs of the people that God's placed in your life. And you'll never experience the joy that God wants you to know unless you embrace this purpose of serving. So today we're going to do this. We're going to look at three questions about serving. And here's the first, and it's on your outline. What is the basis for serving? What is the reason that you should want to serve other people? Now here's the answer for every follower of Christ. And let me just stop for a minute because I realize that, you know, not everybody has, has made this decision to follow Jesus. You know, somebody here may be checking out Christianity. You've got a lot of questions. I'm so glad you're here because I think the message today is going to give you a much better idea of what it means to follow Jesus and the kind of life that he calls his followers to live. So here's the answer why we should be concerned about meeting the needs of other people. And this is on your outline. You, Christian, have been created to serve. Christian, you've been saved to serve. Christian, you've been called to serve. Christian, you've been commanded to serve. Now, those are some pretty compelling reasons, wouldn't you say? And check out this Bible verse in the book of Ephesians. It says, for we are God's, what? Workmanship. One translation says, we're God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God already had planned people for you to serve before you were born. He has good works that he's calling us to do as members of his family. And look at this picture. This is the idea that the potter shapes the pot with his hands. And this is a great illustration of what God does in our lives. God shapes us in order to help us serve other people more effectively. And think about the acronym SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E. Let me just walk you through this, because this is what God does to shape us as servants. The S stands for spiritual gifts. If you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. It was given to you when you became a follower of Jesus Christ. And the Bible talks about different spiritual gifts. There's a gift of teaching or encouragement or administration. There are all these different gifts. The H, S-H, the H stands for heart. And it's the idea that God has given you a passionate heart about certain things. You know, you get excited about some things and other things, they just don't get your heartbeat going, right? That's because God's wired you a certain way. He's given you a certain heartbeat, a certain passion for things where he wants you to step in and serve. So S-H, what's the next letter? A, that stands for abilities. How many of you have any abilities? We all have abilities. You have a lot of abilities, some that you may not have ever discovered. I mean, some of us are good with math or good with people or good with science or good with music or, you know, with art. There's all these different abilities, natural abilities that God has given you and that's so that you can use those abilities to serve others. So S-H-A, what's the next letter? P, how many of you have a personality? Everybody has a personality, right? I mean, think about this. Um, some of you may be extroverts. And extroverts, they just draw energy from being around people. What about introverts? If they're around people too long, they're just worn out because energy's flowing out of them. They need to recoup. What about this? You go on vacation, your personality comes out. You know, some people are spontaneous. There's no planning involved. Just go here, go there. Other people, every half hour, right? They've got the structure. We're going to go here. We're going to do this. That's a function of your personality, and everybody has a different personality. But your personality is how God is shaping you to serve others. And then there's a letter E, and that stands for experiences. 
And we've had all kinds of experiences in life, haven't we? I mean, you had experiences growing up in your family. You've had work experiences. You've had educational experiences. You've had spiritual experiences. And God uses all of these things to shape you to serve others. Now, here's something really important. It's your attitude. Because God is always adjusting our attitude in order to help us have the mind and the heart of a servant. Isn't that true? How many of you had your attitude adjusted this week by God? I did. He's always doing that. Because here's what God says in the book of Philippians. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, notice this phrase, something to be grasped. In other words, Jesus wasn't going to hold on to his rights and his privileges as God because he was going to come to this world to be our servant savior. And that's what this passage says. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to hang on to, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a what? Servant. A servant. So it's clear in Scripture, when you're a Christian, you have been created to serve. You have been saved to serve. And think about this. When you decide, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, why doesn't God just take you home to heaven right away? Because he's got stuff for you to do. He's got work for us to do. He's got people for us to serve. He wants us to work to expand his kingdom in this world. So it's clear we've been created to serve. We've been saved to serve. We have been called to serve. We have been commanded to serve. It isn't like Jesus says, oh, you know what? If you just have the time, could you please try to fit me into your schedule? Could you please? No, it's a command by the master for his servants to serve. So what does this mean? Well, if Jesus is calling us to serve, there are important benefits to us. So what are some of the benefits of serving? What are the benefits to the church and to the kingdom? Well, I want you to look at this passage again. And, and church, there's going to be a little repetition here looking at this, this passage because I want these ideas to really go deep into our heads and our hearts. Because this is a pivotal passage in the Bible about God's goals for us as his people. So here we go. Verse 11 again. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To prepare God's people for works of service. Now notice this phrase. So that the body of Christ may be, what are the next two words? Built up. Built up. So here's the point, and this is on your outline. Serving is how the church is built up. This happens as we meet people's needs. I was thinking this morning, as people were arriving for the service, was watching people walk through the doors, take their seats, that all of us come through those doors with needs. Isn't that true? Now, I know some of the things that are happening in some of your lives. God knows everything that's happening in all of our lives. He knows all the needs we have. But I know this, that, that some of us this morning are facing some very important decisions in our life. And so what do we need from God? We need wisdom. We need to know what to do. Some of us this morning are discouraged because we've had a really tough week and, and we're walking with our heads down. And what do we need? We need God to lift our head. We need God to encourage us. Some of us this morning are just really, really tired. And listen, if that's you, thanks for being here. Thanks for pushing through the tiredness to arrive in church. Because God knows that you're tired. Maybe it's a physical exhaustion. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's spiritual. But you need God's strength, and he knows that. And maybe this morning, you know, you're looking at your life, and you're going, man, I just, I just don't know how things are ever going to work out. What do you need? You need hope. That God's still in charge. That God can work it out. 
Or maybe this morning you're lonely and you need a friend. Or maybe this morning you're really messed up and you need God's forgiveness. Maybe your heart is broken and you need God's comfort. Maybe you're worried, you need God's peace. There are so many things we need. But church, realize this. How are those needs ever going to be met? Well, God wants us as his church to meet each other's needs. And what happens as we do that? It says the church will be two words. What are they? Built up. See, a church can't grow beyond its capacity to meet needs. So as more people engage in being servants, the church is built up, the church can grow, and there's something else that happens, and this is so important. God gets the credit. People become so thankful that they have the opportunity to serve and the opportunity to be served. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be in a church family where God meets your needs through other people? And check out this verse. I showed this to our, our staff at prayer time this morning because it's such a powerful verse. It says this, For this service you perform not only meets the needs of God's people, but also produces an outpouring of gratitude to God. You know, when somebody meets a need that you have, the need for friendship, the need for encouragement, somebody prays with you, isn't it natural to say, God, thank you for that person? And I want you to know, church family, that I am so thankful to God for you. I'm so thankful that many people in this church family have a heart to serve. And last Sunday, as I stood here and received this box of cards, cards of encouragement, expressions of love and just grace, man, my heart was so full. I was so thankful that, that a church family would say, hey, Pastor Dudley, thank you for serving us. And you know where that turned my heart? It turned my heart upward. And I said, God, thank you for the privilege of serving your people. And so that is so important that we say thank you. So can I encourage you to do this? Uh, it could be after church today. You know, some of you are going to pick your kids up, right? Some of you are going to pick up your teenagers. Would you take a moment and thank the people that are serving your kids and your teens? Um, thank the people that are leading the Bible study. Thank the people that are on the tech team. Thank the people that are greeting you. Thank each other for your service because that turns our heart toward God as we thank God for each other. Now, serving is how the church is built up. And here's another benefit of serving. And this is on your outline. Serving is how we reach spiritual maturity. Is how we reach spiritual maturity. And once again, let's take a look at these verses. I really want us to get this. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, notice this, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, what's the next word? Mature. See, as we serve each other, the church is built up and we become more spiritually mature. I heard a story this week about a, a guy who's talking to his friend and he says, you know, my, my ex broke up with me because she said I'm too immature. And his friend says, well, what did you do? He said, well, I took a deep breath and I calmed down, then I went to her house and I rang the doorbell and then I ran away. God wants us to grow up. He wants us to grow up emotionally. He wants us to grow up spiritually. How does that happen? As we serve other people. Now, here's the thing. If we're really going to be good servants of God, there's something we have to do. We have to put on our gospel glasses. We have to see life. We have to see people from God's point of view. And when you put on gospel glasses, and again, the gospel refers to the good news about Jesus, who he is, 
what he's come to do, what he's going to do one day. That's the scope of the gospel. But when you put on gospel glasses, you begin seeing other people from God's point of view. You see yourself when you look in the mirror from God's point of view. And here's what God sees. People made in his image. People who matter deeply to him. And listen, church family, because every human being on this planet matters to God, every human being on this planet should matter to us. And that's what happens when you put on gospel glasses. And you realize, you know, when Jesus looks at my heart, man, he sees the whole truth about me. When Jesus looks at people, he realizes that we come into this world with a heart that's broken, a heart that pulls us away from God's plan and God's purpose. And Jesus, when he looks at us, says, oh, man, you guys are in serious trouble because you're separated from my Father because God is a holy God. And Jesus knows that, that unless God intervenes, we're going to have to pay for our own disobedience. We're going to pay for our own sins. And the Bible's clear. The wages of sin is what? Death. You're going to die. You're going to be separated from God forever in a place called hell. And Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I love you. I'm going to do something. I'm going to let go of my rights and privileges as the second person of the Trinity. And I'm going to be your servant savior. And that's what he does. And so he comes to this world and he lives a perfect life and he goes to a cross and he allows himself to be nailed to that cross so that God the Father can do this, so that God can put our sin on Jesus and punish him in our place. The wrath of God against our sin and disobedience is poured out on Jesus. He dies and then God raises him from the dead to prove that he's accepted the payment of his son. And Jesus to this very day issues an invitation. Hey, come to me. Come follow me. I want to give you a new life. But understand this. It is the life of a servant. The life of a servant. Now, here's the question. If we're going to really live as servants, if we're really going to meet the needs of other people, it's going to require the transformation of what? Our transformation of our heart. Now, what is powerful enough to transform the human heart? Only one thing, the power of God. And I love what Paul, and he's the one who wrote Ephesians, what he says in Romans 1.16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, this good news about Jesus, for it is the power of God for the complete rescue of everyone who believes. Well, what do we need to be rescued from? Our self-centeredness, our self-indulgent nature. We need to be rescued so that we can have the heart, the mind, the attitude of Christ and care about other people that God places in our lives. And think about this. What is God's number one purpose for your life? I mean, what is he up to in your life and mine? Well, we know the answer. Some of you know this verse, Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his what? To his purpose. So what is that purpose? To make you like Jesus. So that you have the attitude of a servant. God is using everything that happens in your life to shape you into a servant. And think about this. You know the, the letters we just walked through, S-H-A-P-E. What does the E stand for? Does anybody remember? Experiences, right? Well, I believe this, that God uses our painful experiences to shape us more than anything else. And church family, I'll tell you this. This last week, God has really been shaping my heart and my wife Chris's heart because we've had some painful experiences that God's allowed to come in. Um, we had a situation where there was a suicide this week. And Chris and I were trying to encourage and give a family hope. Um, there's a situation where somebody that's a part of our family had surgery on Friday and we were all hoping for the best and turns out it's cancer. We're not sure what the path forward is going to be. 
One of my very, very dear friends um, told me that his adult daughter, um, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. She's been transferred to hospice care. They've stopped treating her. She has less than two weeks to live. And just this morning, you know, somebody in our church family came to me and my wife and said, hey, you know, there's a person in our family, their dad died last night and they had to go out of town. And here, here's the thing. I was thinking about it. You, you guys know the, the struggle that, you know, Dick and Kim Amstoy um, have had with Dick's health care and how he's going through all these surgeries and an attempt to save his life. People say, where's God in all of this? Well, I'll tell you where God is. God's at work. He is at work shaping our hearts so that we will become better servants. Because I will tell you this, and I'm so, so certain of this, God never wastes the pain in my life or yours. God redeems the pain. God uses the pain to uniquely qualify us to reach out to other people and to serve them and to meet their needs. Because here's the thing, if you've been through something really hard, you need somebody else who's been through a similar experience to connect with you because they get it. And when you have a broken heart, when you've been through pain, you get it, you understand, and God can use you in a powerful, powerful way to serve another person. So what happens as we step into these opportunities? Two things. The church is what? It's built up. And what happens to us? We grow up. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are people who have said, I'm going to follow Jesus. I want to accept this gift of a new life, this gift of salvation. But if you were to look at their life right now, they're not really serving. Now, there are those in church families that are very serious about serving, and those, well, to use the football analogy, they're up in the stadium while other people are on the field. So what do we hope will happen? That people up in the stadium will come down on the field that will serve together as a family of God. And I know that this is it's a challenge in churches around the world. Um, every Every week, I'm in touch now with 11 um, particular pastors. Four are international pastors, seven are here in the States. And we write emails and call each other and text message to encourage one another. And this is a challenge in every church, to call people to service. So here's the thing. What are the barriers? What keeps people from serving? Well, that's what I want to talk about for just a couple of minutes with the hope that we can break through these barriers. So here's the first barrier, and this is on your outline, a primary focus on who? Yourself. A primary focus on yourself. There was a story about this man. He goes to the doctor because he's not feeling well. And so the doctor runs some tests and he calls the man's wife into his office because he wanted to talk to her alone. And he says, listen, I've got some, some rather um, serious news for you. Your husband is suffering from a rare form of anemia. And this could be fatal. I mean, he could die. But the good news is there are some things you can do to help your husband. And she says, like what? And the doctor says, well, you need to get up early every morning and cook him a hot breakfast, bacon and eggs, and then you need to cook him lunch, and you need to cook him dinner, and it would be good if you could bake some things because he just needs as many calories and nutrition as he can get. And she says, okay, well, what else do I need to do? And he says, well, you need to clean your house every day because his immune system is compromised. Your house has to be spotless all the time. And then the doctor says, do you have any questions? And she says, no. And the doctor says, well, do you want me to break the news to your husband or do you want to do it yourself? She says, I'll talk to him. So she goes out of the doctor's office into the waiting room and her husband looks at her face and he sees the expression and he says, it's not good, is it? And she shakes her head like this. And her husband says, what did the doctor say? And his wife says, he says you're going to die. <laughs> now serving others, 
Serving others is so often the, the opposite of our natural inclination. I mean, from the moment we're born, who are we focused on? Ourselves. And that's why the, the scripture is just, you know, blunt. Look at these first three words. Don't be what? Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Now, there is a word that describes the attitude of people who are continually putting themselves first and don't care about other people. It's five letters long, has a P at the beginning and an I in the middle. What is it? Pride. Now, how can you tell if you have a problem with pride? Let me point out some things that you might consider. Number one is vanity. All right, a preoccupation, sometimes bordering on an obsession with your appearance or how you look. You can't go past a shiny surface without seeing how you're, how you're looking, right? Um, I was thinking years ago of you know, the exercise craze where people would exercise in spandex. If you exercise in spandex in front of a large mirror, you may have a problem with vanity. Now here's something else that's a manifestation of pride. It's the idea of stubbornness. This is the kind of pride that makes us immune to correction. In other words, somebody tries to point out something in your heart that you need to take a look at, and you go, no, it's not a problem for me. Why is that? Because of our pride. And have you ever noticed this? If you go to a person who's proud, and you point out that they're being defensive, it makes them even more what? Even more defensive. But here, I think, is the most serious manifestation of pride. Exclusion. And here's what I mean. Excluding people, excluding God, from their rightful place in your heart. Because Jesus said that the essence of spiritual life, the essence of spiritual health is loving God and loving people. And when you're a proud person, when your heart is filled with you, there's no room for God, there's no room for other people. See, pride diminishes and even destroys our capacity to love. So that's one of the biggest barriers we have to being a servant. Here's a second barrier, a life characterized by unbalanced busyness, unbalanced busyness. Look at these words of Jesus. This is from John 17. He's praying to his father. He says, Father, I glorified you on earth. How? By completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. Now, Jesus came as a servant. He served all the people that his father wanted him to serve. That's a remarkable statement, isn't it? Now, let me ask you this. Was Jesus ever busy? What do you think? Well, yeah, of course he was busy. Extremely busy. But did he accomplish all of God's work for his life? Yeah, well, how did he do that? Well, because he had balance in his life. And that balance was based on having the right priorities. You know, the Bible says that very often Jesus would get up early in the morning, he'd go and pray. He would get his father's marching orders for the day. Jesus never said, you know, I, I, I can't pray that much today because I've got to do a few more miracles. You know, Jesus would, would take his disciples and say, hey, you know what? We need to get away, we need to rest. We're busy, but we've got to have the right priorities. And listen, having the right priorities can help you be a better servant. Because think about this. If you were to say, hey, Pastor Dudley, what are your priorities? You know, I can tell you, right? Boom. Uh, God's my number one priority, and then my family, then my ministry, right? And if I were to ask you the same question, you could probably rattle off the right answer. Question is, is that how you live your life? Because if I followed you around or you followed me around for, you know, seven days and did a time audit, what would that reveal about our priorities? Because here's the thing, serving other people is not something that God wants you to tack on to an already busy life. It's so important. He wants you to make sure 
that it gets done as an important part of your life. And that takes a different attitude, a different perspective. But here's something else. This is the last thing that can become a barrier to serving. It's this. A lack of confidence. A lack of confidence. There's a story in the Bible about a man who was asked to be a servant. Back in the book of Exodus, God sees that his people, Israel, are in slavery in Egypt, and they're calling out to him, and he's decided he's going to rescue them, and he has the right man for the job, and who is that? It's Moses. Moses is the man for the mission. And so God says, hey, Moses, I need you to serve me and serve my people. I've got a job for you to do. So how does Moses respond? But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, God knows that Moses is having a crisis of confidence. So God says, hey, Moses, I'll be with you. I mean, I'm going I'm to be right alongside you. So how does Moses respond at that point? Um, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? I mean, he's still reluctant. And so God does this. He says, hey, Moses, um, what's that in your hand? Uh, a staff. Well, throw it down. And what does it turn into? A snake. And then he picks it up by the tail. It turns into a staff. And God says, look, I'm going to give you these miraculous signs so that people will listen to you and believe you. So you would think at this point that Moses would be convinced, but nope. Here's how the story continues. But Moses, and notice this word, pleaded. He pleaded. Oh, Lord, I'm just not a good speaker. Never have been. I'm not now, even after you've spoken to me, for I have a speech impediment. So how does God answer Moses? Well, this is what he says in verse 11. He says, who makes a man so that he can speak or not speak, see or not see, hear or not hear? Now go ahead, and Moses, please see if you can fit this into your schedule. What does he say? Now go ahead and do as I tell you. Why? Because it's a command from the commander-in-chief. Go and do as I tell you, for I will help you speak well, and I will tell you what to say. And you would think at this point, Moses is going, yeah, God, we're going to do this together. Pharaoh, you're in deep trouble, right? But how does he respond? But Moses said, Lord, please, send somebody else. It's an amazing story, isn't it? And you know what? This story is repeated again and again. And I'm, I'm so glad that God put this story in the book. Because here's the deal, church. You know, sometimes we think, well, God calls pastors and God calls missionaries. Did you know God calls every Christian? Every Christian is called to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, listen. The message today is designed to be something that you don't just hear. It's designed to be something that you put into practice. And so let me say this. For all of you who are serving in our church family, thank you so very much. Thank you so much for your service because here's the thing. When you're serving each other, you're serving Jesus and he takes it personally and it brings joy to his heart. But there are some people in our church family who are on the sidelines and I want to ask you. I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. Get out of the stands and come down on the field. Because your church family needs you. And as you do that, the church will be built up and you will grow up and God will get the glory. And so church, let me be very, very practical. Um, you know, just do this. There's a next step card, looks like this, inside your program. Just take it out for a minute. On the back it says, I'd like to learn more about serving and then it gives you some options. Let me point out two places where we critically need help serving. One is in children's ministry. We need people who will step up and say, I'm going to serve 
the children of our church. We need children's teachers. We need small group leaders. This morning, my wife Chris is actually teaching the large group time because we didn't have anybody else to do it this morning. Church, we need people to step up and serve. We have needs on our tech team. We need people that are willing to be trained to serve. We have so many needs in our church, but those are two that are really important. And as you think about the holidays, I mean, we have a Christmas team. We, we need people to serve so that others can hear the hope of Christmas. And so my, my heart is, is for you to hear God calling you to serve. And if you're serving, that you'll hear God saying, well done, keep going. Keep encouraging each other by your service. And let me do this. Let me close with a, a story because this is something that had a really profound difference in my life when it comes to serving. This is something that happened decades ago before I was a pastor. My wife, Chris, and I were part of a church family and God was really working in us and we were getting more and more serious and intentional about serving, serving God, serving in our church family and, and we both at that point um, were in positions of leadership within our church family. And the pastor of the church came to me, we were, we were friends, and he said, hey Dudley, I'm gonna be out of town um, next week and I can't find anybody to speak for me on Sunday morning. Would you do that? And I was shocked. And I said, well, I, I've never preached before. He goes, yeah, but I, I believe that God will give you the ability to do it. I believe you can do this with God's help. Well, my first response was just like Moses, you've got the wrong person. Lord, I can't speak well, never have. Um, please find somebody else. Well, guess what? God didn't find somebody else, and neither did the pastor. And so here I am, Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, three services I was supposed to speak. Guess what I spoke on? Call of Moses. Because it was my experience. And it was so interesting because I wanted to find a way to really um, convince people that they could, they could serve if they trusted God that if they responded to God's call, that he would do for them what he did for Moses. And so I borrowed a shoe from a very good friend of mine. This is my good friend that's lying in a hospital bed in Gainesville this morning because he has really big feet. So I had this sneaker. It was red. I still remember it. It was like size 16. It was huge. So last night I'm thinking, well, I can't get a shoe from my friend, so what am I going to do? Well, I went to the shoe store, <laughs> and I got some really big shoes here. These are size 14 sneakers. By the way, if you could wear these, I'd be glad to give them to you after the service this morning. But here's, here's the point that I was trying to make years ago as I was talking about the call of Moses. When God came to Moses and said, Moses, I have a job for you. I want you to go to Pharaoh, to the most powerful man in the world, and you tell him that God said, let my people go. And Moses goes, those shoes are too big for me, God. Too hard, I can't do it. Send somebody else. When God called me to be a pastor years ago, I basically said the same thing. God's too hard. Shoes are too big. Find somebody else. In fact, I've shared this before. There was a, a time when I struggled in prayer all night long with God, and I actually told God, you can't make me be a pastor. I actually said that to God. You know what God did? He changed my heart. He says, how about this? How about I give you this desire that you can't shake to be a pastor? I said, well, I guess that's going to work. <laughs> and that's what he did. And I'll tell you this, every time I step out in faith, trusting God, he runs to meet me. And you know what? It wasn't just when I was called. It's every single week. It's every single day. I mean, church, th this week I felt like, God, the shoes you're asking me to wear are just too big. 
too hard. But here's the thing. That's a common experience. I remember last week I was talking about marriage and I was talking to husbands and I said, here's, here's the deal, husbands. This is what the Bible says. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Right? Love your wives to the point of extreme sacrifice. And you know what our response is? Those shoes are too big, God. I could sacrifice a little bit. You're saying extreme sacrifice? That's too hard. Or, or maybe, you know, you're a, a wife and there are things that have happened in your marriage and you know the things that God is calling you to do to, to move forward, but you're, you're going, God, it's too hard. These shoes are too big. I can't do that. I can't serve my husband that way, with that kind of heart, with that kind of attitude. Or maybe you're a parent, and your, your kids are just like off the, off the path that you want them to pursue, and your heart is broken, and you're saying, God, I just can't keep doing this. I can't, I can't keep praying. I can't keep being patient. God says, well, wait a minute. I'm asking you to serve your kids. I know there's a big shoes, but I'm asking you to step into them. Or maybe somebody's broken your heart, and you say, God, I, I can't do it. I can't forgive them. I can't get beyond this. God says, yeah, you can. You can wear these shoes because I will be with you, and I will give you my power. Or, or think about this. This morning, this morning, you know, you've heard me say, hey, we need help in children's ministry. We need help with the tech team. We need help. And, and here's what sometimes happens in people's minds. Yeah, they need help, but let somebody else do it. What if God's calling you? He wants you to take a step of faith. Church, I will say this from years of practical experience. When you answer the call of God to serve, he does for you what he did for Moses. He comes alongside you and he fills you with his presence and he fills you with his power. And as you take a step of faith and as you keep walking in step with God's spirit, God will do this. God will help you grow into the shoes that he is calling you to wear. Let's pray. God, thank you that that is the absolute truth. That, Father, as you call us to serve, you equip us to serve. You enable us to serve. You give us the grace and the wisdom and the strength and the words and whatever we need to accomplish your purpose in our life, which is to be a servant of Jesus Christ. God, thank you this morning for the servants in this church family. I know they bring joy to your heart and mine, God. But, Lord, I know that not everybody is serving. And so, God, you know, I could stand up here and, and preach until I just collapse and if I'm expecting my power to move somebody, my words to move somebody, I know that's a, an exercise in futility, but God, I believe this, that your Holy Spirit has power, that your words have power, that you can move people to step into situations where they might think, I just can't do this, but with training, with God's help, with God's presence, with God's power, they can. And I pray this morning, God, that people will take that step of faith. And Lord, I pray this too for the person who maybe for the first time is understanding, man, well, I'm starting to get it. This call to follow Jesus is really significant. And I want to do something that, that is calling on, on the gifts and abilities that God's given me. I want to serve people because Jesus served me, because Jesus met my greatest need, which was a need for a Savior. And listen, if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you. Yeah, make the decision to follow Jesus. And just say this in your heart to God. God, I need you. I need you to give me a new life because I've messed this one up. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins, that he came back to life, and I want a new life of following him and being a servant today. 
God, I know this, that the scripture says that the gospel is the power of God for the complete rescue of everyone who believes. You rescued me, and I'm thankful. And Lord, I pray that even in this very moment, everybody in this room who's been rescued by Jesus Christ would in their heart right now just say, thank you, God. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for giving me a purpose. Thank you for calling me to be a servant of the Most High God, a servant of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray this because I really believe that the best days of Boynton Beach Community Church are ahead. I believe there is incredible work that you're calling us to do. God, would you build up our church? Would you grow us up in maturity so that this world will know what a great and awesome God you are? And Father, finally, one thing. May your love fill us to such an extent that we have this incredible compassion and concern for people so that we live as Jesus lived in the world. For we pray in his holy and precious name. Amen. Church family, um, let me just say one more thing. Um, there's a, a place right here as you walk out the double doors. You see the exit signs right there? There's a place, there's a basket for you to take a card this morning. I mean, if you're willing to help us with children's ministry, if you're willing to help us with a tech team or other things, would you please just check that on the card? We'll get in touch with you. But there's a basket where you can place that card and let that be an offering today as you offer yourself in the service of the King. Let's stand and, and worship together now as we sing our last song.